This is Mercy Harper, writer for Research Services at APQC. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to APQC Podcasts on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. In knowledge management, you've got to stay aligned with business needs, and that's why a lot of KM programs have a steering committee to guide and sponsor their efforts. But there's a lot of questions around this, like who should be on the KM steering committee and what should the steering committee do? To find out, I had a chat with Cindy Hubert. Cindy is APQC's Executive Director of Client Solutions, and she's seen a lot of KM steering committees over the years, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And she knows what it takes to build them right and leverage them for maximum impact. So without further ado, here's our conversation. All right, so Cindy, my first question for you is, why do CAM programs need steering committees? Mercy, I am very passionate about this topic, as most KMers know. So one of the main things that a KM steering committee provides is direction for invisibility to KM efforts. But there's an intangible value of that steering committee, and that is their accountability for one of the most important assets an organization has, and that's know-how. So why wouldn't you want the leaders of your organization being intimately involved in deciding what knowledge is important for the organization to keep, to move around, to ensure it gets embedded in processes and people? Sometimes we call that succession planning, onboarding, career development. People put a lot of things around that. But you always want the steering group to be involved in the knowledge strategy of the organization. And it's necessary for this steering committee to align our thinking and our actions. Their role is to make sure that this alignment goes back to the organization's objectives, any missions, strategies of the organization, and make decisions on behalf of the entire enterprise. So it's a pretty high level group that needs to be doing this. So that brings me right to the next question. Who should be on it? Who should be on the steering committee? Yeah, that's always a puzzle, right? Okay, so first of all, why a group? Why do we say always say it's a committee? Well, think about it. The asset we're dealing with, as I just said, knowledge, is um, vast. And there's a collective responsibility for the organization's knowledge. Not any one person has complete oversight understanding of everything. So that's why you need a group, a committee. There are some common roles that we see quite often at APQC. There's typically an executive champion and an executive sponsor. Now, sometimes one person takes on that role, but let me distinguish why I think it's important to talk about your champion and your sponsor. Your champion tends to be much more visionary, rah-rah. I love it when it's the CEO or a very high suite level in the C-suite. Um, but the sponsor can also be excited about it. However, they're a little bit more operational in terms of making sure that knowledge and knowledge management is part of the agenda. So they're typically the ones that is really focusing on the operations of knowledge management. But I'll tell you this, um, and then there's a lot of other roles. I think you have to have leaders, you have to have the um, people in maybe um, different parts of the organization, but don't over-engineer it. In fact, what often happens is we say, look at these other 
um, organizational structures you may have as part of governance and tap into those and make sure that knowledge, knowledge management is a part of that discussion that they're having. So you may not have to create something special for knowledge management. You can tap into an, a structure that's there. And then you just assume and look at the roles that are there and how people are playing out. Are there any folks? So, so of course, you want all the business units that are going to participate in, in KM. You want somebody to um, from those groups to be on board. But are there are there any groups or individuals that people might not think to include that really do need to be on the committee? You know, that is such a um, it's a broad question because it does look very different. I think what you have to do is think about the roles and what they're going to do. And oftentimes um, what what KM leaders or knowledge managers that are running programs have to think about is what do I need? Where are decisions getting made? How is direction being guided? And how do I get people engaged? And typically what happens is there's a need for a more operational group because your higher level mm -hmm. group tends to stay there, higher level, and they're giving the okay, they're confirming the decisions, they're saying, yes, we want to do this, and they're guiding you, steering, just as it says. So then think about what is typically needed underneath. There's usually an operational or more of an advisory group. Mm -hmm. And when you say that this is where different groups, different functions come together, yes, that's what you need to look at in terms of that next layer of leaders, managers, stakeholders that are a little bit closer to the daily activity of the organization and what they're responsible for. It's a little bit different. They want to make sure that these decisions that are being made and, and where we're going with our vision and focus on knowledge, make sure that knowledge management aligns to the business strategies and the activities that then help you execute against the knowledge strategy. So there's that's a lot of strategy in that statement, but it's important to separate all of those because you have them all. And oftentimes we just, I guess if glob is a word, you glob them all together. Um, the other thing that's important about this more operational group is that they tend to have control over the allocation of resources. And we all know mm -hmm. you need resources for participating in your KM activities. So that's the importance of having that next layer down. And again, I don't want I want to emphasize, don't over engineer it. Look at existing structures in your organization. The other thing is, um, Mercy, you ask about, well, how do you get all who are these people? Well, it's usually a mix of people. You won't get everybody. Don't try to. There's usually a mix of people who are um, involved who have an excitement about knowledge management, who perhaps have positions of influence. And, and I would also say, go after some of your disgruntled managers. Now, when you <laughs> say disgruntled, Cindy, well, a lot of times people have tried to get um, budget for doing things, improving their processes, helping knowledge flow, and they just don't coin it under knowledge management. Find those people, get them on your advisory group. They're mm. going to give you a different perspective and you can solve their problems and have some wins under your belt because a lot of times they get overlooked. And so when you have an opportunity to do that, it's just absolutely sweet. Oh, I like that a lot. 
Um, a couple of little uh, tactical questions I was just thinking about with, with these two different groups. Yes. So steering committees versus, you know, your more operational tactical groups. About how many people are usually in these? What is there a number where you think it maybe gets too big? And then how often do they need to meet? It uh, Those are great questions. So usually the steering committee is tends to be smaller in terms of, I would say, you know, um, five to ten. It really, again, depends on the structure of the organization, the size. It also depends on if you are at the enterprise level or if you are in a region or a function or you have a smaller CAM program focus. So it's going to you're going to go to the highest level of leaders that you can wherever you are and you're going to use existing structures. Again, people who have influence, people who have um, resources that can come together. Um, I do think that um, when you start thinking about that more operational group, you can get too big. And what tends to happen is that you have some successes for those people who may be in early um, KM programs where you have successes and everyone starts coming out of the woodwork. So this is where that alignment from the steering group to your operational group is so critical in that you've got to focus on those knowledge needs that are you know, vital to the organization. And I think there's there's always there, there's actually four really good questions that I think the steering committee needs to always focus on that then will direct that next level and will really guide who is going to be in that operational group. One is, um, does the current available knowledge allow us to compete in near term? Um, what knowledge do we need to innovate and meet our longer term customer, client, member needs? And what market differentiators can we improve based on our knowledge? How can we really differentiate ourselves? And then the fourth one is, and I think this is always critical, what are our current or upcoming challenges related to knowledge? If you can get your steering group to really articulate that, it will then start laying out who needs to be part of that more operational advisory group mm. because they're going to want those problems solved and they have the knowledge to do that. That totally makes sense. If you've got an upcoming, say, digital transformation initiative, you got to get somebody from that team or if you're having IT do it, you know, maybe they need to jump on. Maybe they're not always on the operational group, but maybe they... They serve a term or two. That's so good. And, you know, you bring up one more thing again. Oh, never feel like you're going to have a lot of partners as part of your people governance structure. So never think that you have to put everyone from IT, everyone from learning and development, um, talent management, process improvement. Those may not necessarily have to sit on your to your groups, your committees, your advisory group, but they may need to be part of that ongoing inform and consult mm. as partners with that. So that gives you a dynamic too of being very interactive, but not having, you asked about size earlier, you don't want it to get up to 20, it's just not manageable. Right. Yeah. So I imagine you've observed a lot of steering committees as well as probably some of these operational groups as well. And I'm wondering about the skills and traits that 
work best for these groups. Obviously, oh. you 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 mentioned having a couple of recalcitrant kind of uh, you know naysayer types. Maybe can yes. be helpful at times, but and you know, of course, you probably want some people who are absolutely gung ho about KM in there. But if we think about it more in terms of skills and traits, how yeah. does that look like? Boy, that's a tough one, right? So you always want um, leaders that really are good about driving their peers to a decision. You know, so there's a little bit of that collaborative and um, facilitated, but in a not a uh, facilitated role, but that they can really facilitate the conversation and drive their peers to that decision. I think that's always good. So and that's a skill. Um, as I said earlier, I do think that influence is important and influence being one that um, they they may not be gung ho, but they're willing to try. They're willing to take some chances and risk and recognizing that there's a risk, helping to minimize those risks and, and take them on. So I think those are two really good ones as well. Um, I think it's important to watch for um, people who do have agenda. You mentioned, yeah, I said disgruntled managers. Um, I, sometimes you have to really go back to what the steering committee has said, what knowledge is important, and you've got to really hone in on the knowledge strategy and say, wait a minute, does this meet, is this going to help us meet our objectives, our mission, help mm -hmm. us drive towards where we're going? And that's a really big, I think, a really good talent. Maybe it may not be a skill, but a talent of leaders to get beyond that and know that this is knowledge. It's collective, as I said earlier, collective responsibility and to be able to give and take just a little bit. Mm. That's the perfect leader, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Just described. Um, I have another unexpected side question for you yeah. is, um, do you think that committee members need to be trained for those roles or can they just jump right in? Well, you know, I, in my experience, um, I don't think we've done a good job of training like we should. Mm -hmm. the, I do think that um, there is some education to do and, and not so much what it, how do you define knowledge management, but to talk about you know, the business case for knowledge management, what is in, what is out, where the boundaries are, where the partnerships exist. And mm -hmm. I think what you've got to do as part of the education process for your leaders is to really talk about their specific role, because it's really important when they come out and talk about the importance of perspectives. You know, how do we get people to collaborate better and ask for perspectives? How can KM help with all of that? You know, fill in the blank. How can KM help with? And leaders tend to have a really good insight to that. So it's getting them beyond the, I would say, KM talk, right? Like communities and lessons and best practices to how does our knowledge, being that of, and I'm going to use broad categories, engineering knowledge, science knowledge, how does this knowledge really help us address our business needs? And I think that's a really important part of what they do. So it sounds like they don't need to know all the in and out of KM jargon, but there maybe needs to be a mindset shift where they, they understand kind of the organizational value of knowledge, at least. Agreed. Agreed. It awesome. is true. Uh, you know, I think um, one of the things we always get into um, is breaking down barriers, right? And mm. solving big problems. So yes. 
you make me think about um, leaders. We always hear we want our leaders to walk the talk. And I'll revert back to what I just said. Well, what is it that you want them to do? I mean, to ask a, you know, C-suite person to say, yes, I want you to participate in um, a wiki and respond there. I mean, that I think you've got to be realistic. I mean, these they have a, a big, important jobs there. So I think what you can do is train your your steering committee, your advisory group to do what I said, to ask better questions. You know, what can the enterprise do to make the business better and have a broader reach through the use of our KM capabilities and approaches? In other words, how will our communities really help people learn how to collaborate? And what does that collaboration mean for innovation, for ongoing um, learning? What does that mean? I think, as I said earlier, I think that they can ask for decisions to be made and then follow up with the tangible actions to execute those decisions. Because if you think about it, those are skills, but they break down the barriers, too, of just sitting there waiting for someone to do something. Right. Right. Um, I think that also in terms of breaking down barriers, solving problems, I think that they need to be very demanding of their knowledge management leaders and the people running that program to say, what are those things that we expect? And as business leaders, what are those things that are non-negotiable, right? So in other words, if we have at an enterprise level or functional level, a way to stand up communities or a way that we are going to transfer knowledge, a process to do so, why let everybody go create their own you know, a technique for doing that, why don't we say, no, we're going to do it this way? And that gets enforced from that top level down through the operations to make sure that it happens. So again, and then again, I think one of the biggest things I've seen over and over through the years, really great leaders, both on the steering, constantly ask questions. You know, w when you're with your staff, are you sharing your knowledge with the COPs? Are you being part of the transfer process? Do you capture your lessons learned? Do you use these capabilities? Because those are the things that really, and oh, and if not, why? Mm. Give me a better way to do it. And that's why I think leaders can are really important. And Mercy, you know me, I'm, I'm a stickler on measurement, right? It's one of my favorite things, I guess, next to steering committees. Um, <laughs> I think there's, when you start looking at barriers and are you solving these big problems, I think there's two KM-ish type measures that steering committees and leaders need to, that they can be measured against. I think one is uh, the accountability can be measured via adoption rates. Not only how many, but how quickly. And leaders influence that, right? Big time. And then I think their accountability can also be measured more on that operational side of what I just described by lack of duplicate KM efforts. So if you can get that, make it more efficient, make sure that it's meeting and, and exceeding the expectations of we're really driving to value, we're, you know, bringing meeting our business needs, I think those are really big things that you can measure from a senior perspective. Awesome. Probably weren't expecting that. <laughs> I wasn't. Um, you know what? That does lead me to one last Absolutely. I knew you'd bonus question, if you don't yeah. mind. Um, so how can KM teams make sure that they're treating 
their steering committees right. Oh boy, you're going to go into we're going to go into an hour podcast. <laughs> you know, I think a lot of times that's a great question. I think KM leaders need to be first of all part. They need to be facilitating or be part of those conversations, both at the steering committee level, the advisory board level, because you've got to have you have to hear the conversation. You have to help facilitate the conversation. So I also think that KM leaders can get with their champions and their sponsors that we talked with about earlier and really help create the knowledge agenda, the knowledge management agenda for those meetings Mm -hmm. and then give their leaders talking points and coach them and mentor them and educate them, not in front of their whole group of peers, but let them be the educators of their peers. Mm -hmm. Because you get much more, it happens a lot faster. You get um, more people on board when that sponsor and champion are talking than the KM program lead. Nothing against my KM leaders. I love them. But (laughs) I think you, if you want them to take accountability, you have to give them the words to use. And so there's a huge responsibility there. I don't know if that got to the heart of your question. No, that makes sense. I had been thinking when you were talking about measurement, you know, that that's obviously part of it. But I love this idea of, you know, giving them really kind of tactical, like, you know, talking points that they can use, you know, they don't have time to dream this stuff up on their own. They don't. And they'll make it their own. That's the beauty of it. As part of the agenda, you can say, here are some great things that you could bring up, questions you could ask. And Mm -hmm. it gives them talking points. They're busy people. And you will find that that walk the talk starts getting real. It's the Mm -hmm. walk the walk. And they start, it, it makes a difference. I'm Mercy Harper. Thanks for joining us for this APQC podcast. Please go to apqc.org to learn more and have a great rest of your day.